sweet land of liberty, our founding fathers not only pledged, but gave their lives, their fortunes, and their sacred honor to obtain our God-given liberty. Now it's our turn. Liberty can only thrive if it's alive in the hearts of a freedom-loving people. I'm Dan Matthews, and I'm pleased to welcome you to Freedom's Ring. Here's our host and constitutional lawyer and minister, Alan Reinach. Welcome back to Freedom's Ring, my friends. These times are certainly getting much more interesting when it comes to the subject of democracy. Our neighbors in Great Britain are experiencing something of a constitutional crisis. Uh, Parliament will be out for the next month. So now you know when we're in the studio recording. Our guest today is uh, lawyer and scholar Nicholas Miller, professor of church history at Andrews University. Nick, welcome back to Freedom's Ring. Thanks, Alan. It's always good to be here. So... Uh, what do you make of the current crisis in merry old England? We borrow a lot of our ways and political ways here in America from English history. Yes, we uh, do. And I view it with more than purely academic or historic interest. Uh, I'm spent most of my life in America, but I was actually born in England. I uh, spent the first three years of my life there before I moved to Southern California, um, but then was raised by British parents, so have a sense of the heritage and background of our mother country, if you will. And yet it really wasn't until college and law school when I read uh, Winston Churchill's magisterial account of the history of the English-speaking peoples that it really made me aware that American government and democracy and even rights had all sorts of roots and precedents in the development of the British parliamentary system. So in looking at England, we are not looking at a purely foreign government, but really we're looking at, we talk about the American government being a Republican government, a lower case, our form of a republic. The British parliament was the the foundations and the beginnings of that, and you might say my my British relatives and friends wouldn't necessarily agree with this, but I view it very much this way, that the American experiment in democracy and separation of powers and constitutional rights is more of an evolution than purely a revolution of what was happening in England. So what's happening in England today should be of more than just passing interest to us here in America. Well, I guess the Brits are now kind of re-examining the value of their, you know, unwritten constitution that they have placed so much stock in. And, uh, you know, they're finding that um, maybe it doesn't offer the kind of stability or security that they thought it did. That's right. So most Americans believe that England doesn't have a constitution because there's not a written document. But the British are very quick to point out that, no, they do have constitution, and in fact, some of it's in writing in the precedents and documents from the past, they tend to argue that the unwritten nature of it actually makes it more flexible and durable and powerful because you can respond to uh, new situations and difficulties and crises as they come along, um, and they've been rather proud of that. So there is a constitution, but you can't find it in a single document. But now the weaknesses of that are perhaps being exposed because its consistency and its durability was sort of dependent on the fair play 
of legislatures and leaders to follow custom from time immemorial, but there wasn't necessarily a way of legally enforcing these things. Well, with the election of Boris uh, Johnson, a populist, something uh, built something in the style of uh, of our, our President Trump. Um, in fact, Johnson seems to be modeling himself in some ways very much like uh, President Trump. Uh, you have someone who's coming along and willing to throw convention to the wind and, uh, uh, you know, do things that he can do up to the limits of his power. And so we've just experienced an instance of that where we're coming up to the deadline of Brexit at the end of October. And he was very much intent on preventing Parliament from stopping him from having a, what they call a clean Brexit, where there's no deals made. And so he decided to put Parliament to simply unilaterally suspend Parliament for a whole month and uh, prorogue, they call it. And apparently there's nothing more or less stopping him from doing it. Um, and so he's done it. Now, Parliament isn't completely um, neutralized. And before they were prorogued, they were able to pass some legislation to prevent a clean Brexit from happening. So there is something of an impasse. But it does cause us on this side of the Atlantic to uh, be satisfied or I don't know, satisfied is the right word, but to be grateful for the fact that we have a written constitution with some guarantees that are much more directly enforceable. Well, you know, it, it reminds me of the whole concept that James Madison wrote so much about in the Federalist Papers of separation of powers. One of those great phrases describing what our Constitution does that does not actually appear in the Constitution, similar to the phrase separation of church and state, which also describes what the Constitution does, but not what it's actually said. Um, you know, let's take it a moment here, Nick, to put this in kind of biblical perspective, because, you know, this is a religious freedom radio show, and we're very concerned about how prophecy predicts the erosion of our civil and religious freedoms and the erosion of our constitutional norms, both here and around the world, here in America and elsewhere. And, um, you know, we see in the symbolism in Revelation 13 of, of a beast with two horns like a lamb, principles of of both republicanism and protestantism, uh, you know, kind of uh, Christian principles of, of freedom, civil and religious freedom, but our rights protected by a republican form of government where we have, you know, essentially a democratic system where the people participate, government of, by, and for the people, as, as Lincoln said famously in the Gettysburg Address, and yet you know, here we see in England kind of an erosion of uh, the separation of powers concept, uh, you know, with the balance of power, with Boris Johnson being able to simply uh, dismiss uh, an important branch of government. And, and in the parliamentary system, the parliament is supposed to have more power even than Congress does in our system, right? Well, yes, it does. But the fact is, there's not really a separation between Parliament and the executive. So Boris Johnson, in a sense, presides, he's the leader of the party that's in control of Parliament. 
So your point about the separation of powers, England has a certain separation of powers, right? America took this from them to some degree, but we took it further and made it bolder and stronger than it exists in England. And so in times of crisis like this, you can see the disadvantages of not having a more serious separation of power, and it allows individuals um, that might be extreme or erratic to go further and, and do more than they would in the American system. Um, but there is a certain resiliency to the British system as well, and we saw the parliament able to pass legislation that has sort of hamstrung uh, Boris Johnson for the time being. Um, but I, I don't think we should let this opportunity pass to re have it remind us of the importance of our system of separation of powers. Uh, and I think, as you noted, this is not irrelevant to Christian thought or prophetic thought, but that uh, in Revelation 13, we see a reference to both religious freedom, but also to uh, republicanism, to a system of government that can keep freedom alive. And that as we see the British system struggling with these separation of power problems, it should remind us as Christian citizens that we should seek for a vibrant and healthy uh, separation of powers, of healthy um, strength in all branches of government. If we hope to maintain our freedoms here and prevent them from being diminished under an autocratic oversight. You know, I, I want to put this in a little personal kind of historical context, Nick, because back in the 1980s, I'm dating myself now when I was in law school, I spent a year working for a very esteemed professor who literally wrote the book on Supreme Court practice, and separation of powers was his major academic interest. And at the time, I thought it was a really boring subject. Well, it came to the forefront of American constitutional law after the passage of the USA Patriot Act after 9-11, response to, you know, a crisis. And, you know, we've seen the growth of what uh, historians have called the imperial presidency and the growth of executive power, uh, you know, both Republican and Democratic administrations. This is not a partisan issue where, you know, the executive branch, the presidency has assumed and exercised more and more and more power here in the United States to the point where this whole concept of, you know, the importance of protecting our liberties by having a balance of power between the branches of government and between federal, state, and local government as well. You know, this is really critical. And you make a very important point that it's not a partisan issue. This is a, a bipartisan issue. Uh, we may have um, problems and concerns about the way President Trump has attempted and at times infringed on the separation of powers, but he didn't start that. And if we go back to uh, President Obama, there were things that should have concerned all of us about the use of executive orders, about the um, change of significant parts of immigration uh, policy and the way it was implemented that really should have gone through Congress. Uh, and didn't, um, and yet, depending on who's in power, they uh, often give their own presidential candidate a pass uh, and don't stand up for these things. So as Christians who should neither be left or right, we should be willing to speak up whoever's uh, the one that is undermining basic principles of republicanism. Certainly fair enough. Well, we don't know what the outcome is going to be um, 
with Brexit and with the British system. Uh, I know our friends across the pond, as they say, are just as concerned about Russian interference in their politics as uh, as Americans ought to be concerned about Russian interference in our system. Um, I have to, before we close this topic, remind our listeners that there was a very influential book published a couple of years ago called, I believe it's called How Democracies Die. And it charts the fact that democracy really was in its heyday by the end of the 20th century. But globally, it's really in decline. And these populist sort of autocratic leaders have taken over in a number of countries that previously were considered, uh, you know, budding democracies. So this is really a an issue of global concern and something uh, very much uh, an important topic for, for all lovers of liberty and, and those of us here at Freedom's Ring. Wouldn't you agree, Nick? Absolutely, Alan. Sometimes we think that the government of the people is a democracy, but our founders were very aware that there could be a tyranny of the majorities just as much as there can be a tyranny of a dictatorship. And in our constitutional democracy, which is really a republic, it means there should be guaranteed rights of minorities and a system of checks and balances which prevents even the majority from imposing its will inappropriately on the protections of minorities. Thank you very much to our guest today, Nicholas Miller. We've been talking about the uh, suspension of Parliament by Prime Minister Boris Johnson. Nick, thanks for being with us on Freedom's Ring. Happy to be here, Alan. And as we close, remember, folks, at Freedom's Ring, we don't just talk about religious freedom. We help those suffering religious discrimination. Check out our legal resources page at churchstate.org. This has been Freedom's Ring. I'm your host, Alan Reinach. Until next week, let freedom ring.